Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Dear Dabblers, I have something a little different for you today. Now, usually I like to talk to guests about class and power structures and basically all the systemic reasons I can use to justify my own bitterness and questionable life choices. Well, today I'm going to buck up my ideas a bit as I'm talking Wall Street and stock markets, of which I know very little, uh, with a special guest, author and Wall Street professional Colin Lancaster. Colin's book, Fed Up, Success, Excess and Crisis Through the Eyes of a Hedge Fund Macro Trader, tells the story of a trader working amidst the greatest market panic we've seen since the Great Depression. Fed Up is a novel in a similar vein to global bestsellers The Big Short, Lies Poker and, of course, Wolf of Wall Street. And it takes a bold, funny and honest look at the forces behind our markets and what led to the 2020 crash. Colin joined me to talk about writing in lockdown and navigating morality in a world built on greed. Hi, Colin. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you today? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Um, Are you in the States at the moment then? I am. Yeah, I am um, down in Miami right now. Been beautiful. Although I I spent uh, about a week in Greece. So uh, a week ago and it was amazing. Oh, lovely. Well, um, that makes me very, very, very jealous. But I suppose you deserve it after um, writing and releasing your new novel, uh, Fed Up. Let's crack on and talk about that then, shall we? Why did you write it? It has to be more than uh, than a case of lockdown boredom. I have always been just an incredibly avid reader. I, I it, it, any day, you know, you'll see six six books on my nightstand, and I'm kind of you know just always consuming information. I, I love to read, but early in my careers, I was just getting started. I had read a book by Michael Lewis called Liar's Poker. And it was really influential on me. And and he he is a writer that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. And I um this was kind of me paying my own respects and a bit of a tip of the hat. And you know, for, for someone like that, what, what I've always really admired is they're able to take a really complicated set of facts but but to 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 position it in a way with this really entertaining cast of characters and and you make it he makes things just incredibly readable so so you 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 kind of don't even you know you, you learn so much in the process and he makes it seem so easy 
And I, I have always admired that. And as we got into the pandemic, I thought, boy, I've always wanted to do this. And here's this amazing opportunity because, you know, to, to be able to write about the markets through the eyes of a global macro trader, which is what I know best, um, but but to try to do it in a way that 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 it, it really resonates with with a whole you know magnitude of, of different types of people and and you know different le- le- levels of sophistication. It was a really fun project. I mean, were you thinking of writing it before there was even a crash? Were you thinking about writing your experiences down and and feeding that into a novel, or was it? What I was doing is is I follow just a, a daily routine where I'll do some daily journaling. A lot of it is about the markets, what's happening in the markets, how I felt I responded, mistakes I might have made. But as we got into that March period, there was this incredible three weeks where where the markets basically crashed. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, you know, Colin, you have all this amazing content. Like if you've ever wanted to do this, like now is your chance because you've been chronicling this in, in really, you know, more of a diary type of type of format. So, so you already you, had it. It was already there. Yeah. Now what, what became really challenging to me is I've always done that daily journaling. I've always written about markets but what I hadn't done is to have to have to think about character development and how, you know, how, how do you tell the story then? Um, and, and that to me was was what I really learned because I'd never done that before. So it became the biggest challenge. And, um, you know, my oldest daughter, Victoria, who, I you know, is <laughs> the real writer in the family. But she, she gave me such amazing help with that. You know, she's like, Dad, you need you need to beef this up. You need you need more of a storyline. You need to make this character really resonate with your audience. Uh, but 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 I, I learned a lot of, about the process as a result. And it was really fun. It's so great when you can demystify that process, isn't it, as well? I think we all think that writing is just some sort of magical thing that only a few people can do. And actually you break it down. You're like, no, it's character and plot and story and um but you had all the hard work done, which is which is just the remarkable part for so many of us. It's interesting, though, because um, it, the, the 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 process of writing, I, I would say, is a it, it's it's a little bit lonelier than than I expected. In that, at the end of the day, it's kind of you and all of these words that that you put down, and 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 really kind of staying true to yourself and deciding, look, I I, I want. I, I want to be really authentic, uh, you know, and I want my readers to understand that. Um, but, but, but it, 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 it's different. You know, a, a lot of my professional career has been built, has been based on, you know, working with large teams of people and, you know, to, to, to find ways to navigate markets. And all of a sudden it was kind of, you know, alone with these words. And, and that, that, that was trickier. I, I have, it made me really admire great writers more because you, you can be going through this process, but but you're not always getting real feedback. You know, is this going to resonate with my audience or not? You know, you, it, there's a lot of uncertainty there. And, and it's a bit scary sometimes because, you know, what, what, what do you change? What do you cut out? What, what you know, how do you, how, how do you really make, turn this into a story that, 
people want to keep reading. Absolutely. And speaking of audience, I mean, what do you want to, people to take from it? Um, full disclosure, I've started reading it. Time has not been on my side the last few weeks, uh, but I already love the style. I've got a real sense of that kind of that trader world. The, the personalities are so, it feels really bold and kind of fast paced. Um, but yeah, what do you, what were you hoping people would take from it? Is there any sort of moral uh, message through there? Look, th- th- there is. At the end of the day, I think what is unique about the book is that there's a lot of books about the markets, but not necessarily through a first person's view of the markets. And, and you know, I, I very much wanted people to, to understand this frenetic pace and the energy and, and just all of this going into it. But there's another side too, which is is on some of the more moral, ethical issues. You know, I also wanted to kind of poke fun at at the business, and so mm. people could hopefully see some of the excesses that I feel surround the business, and and some of these just just questions and judgment that you need to make because the the main character in the book. He, um, he, he struggles because he struggles with concepts like wealth inequality, which, you know, we have, have, have you know, gotten to crazy uh, proportions in, in modern society. You know, we're in this world where fewer and fewer people take more and more. So, so also to, to kind of be able to talk about issues like that in, in the, the root causes of some of these things, but w- within the life of this very privileged individual who, you know, kind of goes between Zuma and Nobu and, you know, it, it, it's, it's a crazy yeah. life, but, but to kind of also make him a bit of a parody as well to, to, to paint that picture. Well, it is quite a unique take, isn't it? Because I think popular culture, we're quite used to, especially with the sort of Wolf of Wall Street narrative and the big short, we're sort of, we go, well, that world's very excessive and it just is what it is. And there's no, no one's really questioning what they're doing to the world by being part of that, um, that life. Um, We don't, we just go, oh, well, they're shamelessly debauched and, you know, reckless. And we kind of just glamorize it, but... We, we don't look favorably on it necessarily, uh, but we're not used to narratives, I think, that challenge that from the inside and actually have a, that sense of, you know, ooh, moral dilemma, which is, you know, what you um, what you explore. Well, I, I, I think it's so interesting because, you know, in in that Michael Lewis book that I mentioned, Liar's Poker, and in the, you know, very famous movie, the, the movie Wall Street, there's this character, Gordon Gecko, who there's a famous scene where he says, you know, greed is good. And in both cases, both in the movie's case and that book's case, you know, they, they, they thought that they were kind of exposing some of the sins of Wall Street, the, the, the excesses. But instead, mm-hmm. these things became glamorized and, and it encouraged more people to go work in the investment. Yeah, yeah. So you, you have this really kind of perverse behavior. And in my own example, what, what was really interesting is, is that the book is a novel. So all of the market events are real. That data is real. But, but I took liberties with the characters and timelines and, and very early on, a, a, a woman who was giving me great advice said, well, Colin, like you, you have to make sure that people don't think that you're the boss, which is the name of the main mm-hmm. character, because the, the boss, he's despicable. Like you, you don't want people to confuse him with you. But what, what's so interesting to me is, is 
when I get feedback from people that I know who are in the markets, they do this for a career. They're like, oh yeah, he, he, he's exactly like, like my former boss, you know? It, so, so th there's also this, th this differential between people who aren't in the business, just thinking that this person is despicable and people in the business say, oh yeah, I can relate to him. Like mm. yeah, I, I work for someone just like that. I mean, what was it like living through it? You talk about the fast pace. I mean, you say that now it's much calmer office kind of, you know, you're clearly a family man. Um, what was, I, I was thinking about the um, the extremes of emotion as well, because we hear this, you know, it's either these amazing highs or kind of, you know, and you touch on this in the book is ruination and sort of suicide. You know, it's the, the two extremes. How do you live through that? How does your heart cope with yeah, that? Look, I, I think it's it's a lesson that, if you want to have a career in this business, that you, you have to build that. You, you, you have to know that, look, in this business, you're going to be wrong a lot. And, and there will be these minor setbacks. But, but you also have, you, you have to take them as a challenge, as something that you're going to learn from. And it, you know, it'll make you better in, in the future. And, and in some ways, you just have to have this confidence in yourself and, you know, the, the, the team around you. And it, as I look back at, you know, some of the people that, you know, I, I really, they, they've been really influential on my career. I, I would say that, you know, what, one of the characteristics that they all have is just amazing perseverance. Um, you know, it, it, they, they never let a setback, you know, really, really uh, be fatal to, 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 to what they do. And they're always up, they're always trying to compete and to improve and, you know, just these lifelong learners, which I, I think is so impressive. Um, you, you, so do you think these headlines that we have are actually just, you know, just the extremes of it and actually most for case most cases are people who actually have got a strong mental resilience and a strong kind of understanding of i i i think those the the, the best in the in this business have that incredible resilience and mm -hmm. you know what what's so impressive to, to me among the, this group of people is you know, you, you can be sitting next to them and working with them on a day that they're making a lot of money on a day that they're losing a lot of money and their demeanor is always exactly the same. You know, they, they, they kind of like program themselves into these mini robots, you know, where, mm -hmm. where they, they, they follow their process. They're incredibly disciplined. They typically have their own routines that they follow on a daily basis. Uh, but, but it's all these things. And, you know, in, in, in this business too, you know, it, it's changed so much in that people spend so much more time in looking after themselves and keeping themselves healthy and, you know, really, really maintaining a state where they, they always have this exceptionally crisp decision making. You know, they're, they're always making good decisions. They're always putting themselves in the best position possible to do that. And, and just over my career, you know, the, the, the amount of time that people spend meditating or doing yoga or these other things, you know, it's really quite amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you talk about moral dilemmas of the, you know, the internal world, of, you know, faced with this um I mean, we greed based world, essentially, you know, money is the aim. Um, but obviously, I want you to unpack that a little bit, because it can't be the only aim, right? It's um, no one can be solely motivated by money. There's something else going on there. Um, what are the moral dilemmas that you you think are, you know, most prevalent or people face most? Yeah, look, for, for, for me in, in the book, you know, what, one of the things that I, I wanted to address is that wealth inequality issue, because a, a lot of times that, that that issue gets framed as a bit of a 
political issue. Um, you know, in, in the U.S., where politics has become very polarized, you know, p- people think of it in those terms. But but to me, that there's this other root cause that that there. The, the monetary policy that the large central banks have been following, and in particular, something called quantitative easing, where where I, I feel that we've we've gotten to the point of very diminished returns in terms of continuing to follow these policies because they, they end up having this disproportionate impact on making wealthy people even wealthier. And, and to me, the, you, you you need a you, you need a really solid middle class. It's it's you know it's, it's the, the the working people that 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 make society great, right? And people need to feel like they have opportunity that they're not being somehow left mm-hmm. behind. And, and I think now more so than at any time over my career, I feel like more and more people feel like they're being left behind, and and, and that's really a dangerous thing from a long-term perspective. And, and again, I think that policies such as quantitative easing and, and you know, v- very easy monetary policy have played a much bigger role in, in, in some of these things than people ever imagined. And I, I wanted to make that very clear. I wanted people to understand that because I don't think those policies set us up for long-term success. Mm. I, when I think of like, the global markets trading all of this i mean i know so little about it but i know it affects everything and yet there's this whole disconnect it's like this whole bubble for a load of people in this world yet we are how would you explain the relevance of it to your average joe someone who knows nothing me me for example uh, talk to me like i'm five um <laughs> how is this world relevant to people going about their day-to-day lives what do they need to know and what impact can any normal person actually have on this these systems how it works it almost feels like we're puppets um yeah no it it, it does it, it it can it can very much make us feel like puppets and some of these concepts are at least on the face of things seemingly very complex right so it's easy oh I, I, i'll just shy away i, I don't want to know or, or get involved in that which i think is you know the the the, the absolute wrong Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. ...thing to do. And, and again, what, one of the reasons for the book is I wanted to, to be able to write about these things in a way that, that people could relate to this and they, they could feel that, oh, I understand the role of central banks now, or I understand why these things are happening. Because I, I think it's so critically important at the end of the day, the, the, these these the, the markets drive so much, for, you know, employment and consumption and everything else that that drive all the economic cycles. So we, we, we are all caught up in these things in terms of, you know, the, there's one one thing I, I write about in the book that, you know, the, the, the central banks study these things. But if if you are born in a period of a global recession, it impacts your lifelong earnings. You know, you you have a a, a, a lower life expectancy. It, it's amazing all of these things that have this direct impact on you just by virtue of the economic cycle that you happen to be born into. It, it's it's really it's really extraordinary. But I, I want people to understand that so that they 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 understand this bigger picture that you know we we are all kind of you know like like they say a rising tide lifts all ships but you know we're all kind of moving up and down with with the global markets. So if you don't mind continuing to just uh, talk to me like like I'm a child um, who doesn't know what's going on, talk me through last year's crash. It wasn't the same as previous crashes, was it? Um, I mean. It was the biggest financial crash since the Great Depression. And yet we don't seem to be talking about it in the same way. I mean, I don't know whether that's obviously, you know, I don't read the Financial Times every day. But with 2008, we all kind of felt the impact. Um, it was very long lasting. What's happened here? Well, I, I, I think what was so amazing about this period was, you know, a, a typical recession, a, a, a market crash like this, will we'll actually build over a period of a year or a year and a half. If you think about the global financial crisis in 2008, it really took you know, 16 or 17 months to, to really play out. And this time, it all happened in three weeks. You know, we, we had everything. We had a crash, recovery, you know, n- enormous amounts of, of, of stimulus um, all thrown at this in, in such, such a, a compact period of time. It was like the whole world was on, on incredible steroids um, because, you know, the, the, the data, you know, the, the, the economic collapse that we saw, which is basically COVID shut down the entire global economy. It was just amazing. You, you, you would see this data, you know, like you, you, the, the jobs numbers, for example, in the U.S., and we'd have 7 million people who were just, you know, put out of work. And, and it was just extraordinary because t- typically the, the, there's a much longer type of cycle that, that plays into this. And what, what, what all of these periods of time always expose is at the end of the day, how fragile everything is. And all of a sudden now, you know, th- these bellwether companies, companies that you felt were just the blue chips of the blue chips. And all of a sudden, everything is fragile. Everything looks like it's just going bankrupt. It's, it's, it's worthless. Um, and, and that, 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 you know, both the speed of it and then, just, just kind of the sheer amount of fear that comes into it when, when every day markets are down ten percent. Like you know, this this is extraordinary volatility. You know, all of your models, everything you've ever learned, tells you that this is impossible. Like that, this can't happen like this. 
but it's happening. And, and th- th- there's a scene in the book where, you know, the, the, the characters in that period where he, he's actually scared and he goes to the washroom and just wants to sit there for a moment just to like, like have a period of quiet. But but he wants to do it. He, he's happy that he the, the the team doesn't know he's there. So like he because he can't can't let them know that that he's afraid. Like he just wants to. He feels like he's going to vomit. Um, but there are always those periods in a real market crash where you, you say, "How bad is this going to get?" And when you say, "How bad is this going to get?" What um, I mean, what does that look like? I mean, two thousand eight, it was bad. Um, but, you know, in the Western world, at least we're kind of all, all right. You know, we had enough anyway. What does that actually mean? Like how bad is bad on a global scale? Yeah. Look, what, what is, what is really unique about this period in time as well is how the, 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 the results have been so different based on where you live. You know, did you live in the U.S.? in the UK or do you live in Brazil or India where, you know, you're still in the midst of, of millions of people who, who are dying because of, because of COVID. Um, and, and all, all of these things, you know, in, in w- with a global pandemic, you know, you can measure this not only in what was the loss of wealth, right? I can say there was a 35% peak to trough decline in in the market. So this enormous amount of wealth just evaporated, but then came roaring right back. Uh, but but you know this this toll in, in in terms of human lives lost in this. You know, I, I don't think you can understate that and how different your odds of success were based on just where you happened to be born and lived and, you know, the, the ability to have, you know, vaccines, you know, all all of these things, you know, tells you what kind of an unequal type of world that we continue to live in. It's really kind of sad. Given how unequal it is, are we just built on sand? Is this whole system, (laughs) if, you know, the, the fragility of it and the fact that the people at the bottom always get it worse um and that reputation is probably the worst that can happen for the people at the top you know that's um it, it is a really it, a really kind of sad part of all of this and in the book I, I i talk about people you know it's this lifelong question i see in the book of labor versus capital and, and what i mean by that if if you are dependent on your own labor to make ends meet right you're relying on your salary versus the people that have accumulated all this wealth and they live off their capital. And in so, so many ways, it feels like the field, the field is tilted in favor of the people with the capital based on you know, the way taxes are imposed and you know, quantitative easing, what that does to, to, to drive the markets even higher. But sometimes you can really kind of feel sad about this and say, look, it is all really unfair. You know, if, if you're a, a working mom and, you know, have two jobs and, you know, haven't been able to accumulate capital, boy, the life can really seem unfair at times. And that's not going to change, is it? <laughs> you know, it's... Um... I don't think so. Look, look, what, what, one of the things that we're seeing, at least in the U.S. with the new administration, with President Biden, is 
uh, a, a focus again on the fiscal side of the equation in terms of trying to to redistribute some wealth. Um, but whether or not that'll be effective, we don't know. But you know, the better part of my life since really the 80s to today, um, the rules have really been in favor of those with the capital. Um, so let's talk more about uh, you, um, your interests, how you write. Uh, you were you trained as a lawyer, right? I trained as a lawyer. Yeah. What made you fall into this world, move into this world? My um, my, my father was also a lawyer. I kind of felt that I would follow in his footsteps. What what I didn't um, expect, though, is I was beginning to hear uh, stories from some of my very close friends from university who had gone to into the markets. And I thought, wow, that sounds amazing. I, 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 I missed the boat. I, I really want to do this. And back to kind of this, how much I've always read, I, I started to read everything I, I could on the markets. I just I, I had to will myself into the business. And I was able to. So I, I was just incredibly fortunate because some of the, the early people that I worked with ended up being great mentors and they gave me the opportunity to do that. But 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 I do think that that legal training really set me up well. It taught me uh, how to solve problems, how to do great research, how to communicate very well. So it ended up giving me a lot of options, I would say, over the course of my career. But but I, I was really lucky to to, to get... To, to get into the markets, because I, I feel like it's kind of the ultimate Rubik's Cube. It's the ultimate puzzle for us to be trying to figure out. And, and it's a great challenge. And I, I really enjoy what I do. I mean, I remember the guys that I went to university with um, in London, the ones that became traders were just, you know, that was all they cared about all day, every day. They knew every probability of every sort of card game and they were just obsessed with markets and um, incredible brains all went bald within three years of being a trader of course where you luckily kept all your hair but (laughs) (laughs) I saw them within three years I was like wow you have been working non-stop it is something and also something that I wanted to capture a bit of in the book which is I do find sometimes that people who are in the markets who for whatever reason, tend to be exceptionally motivated by money. I, I do think that there can be patterns where, you know, that these individuals can end up, I would say, underinvesting in their own personal relationships and their families and other things. So mm-hmm. that there are consequences that 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 yeah, sure, you can want to be the the master of the universe, this trader, but um, that's not always a great thing for for family and friends. It's a dopamine addiction, really, underneath it, it all, it isn't is. it? It is. That's exactly right. Speaking of family, you um, are in a very female family, three lovely daughters and a wife. What has, has that um, had any impact on your professional life? Do you think it's taught you diplomacy <laughs> or patience? <laughs> I, I think so, because in, in my household, um, I can always be outvoted. So <laughs> I, I can find myself being wrong quite a lot. So <laughs> I, I think it's good for that self-awareness and not getting too stubborn on, on beliefs. But um no, I have amazing daughters. They're all incredibly accomplished themselves, and and it's a, it's a really fun family. Yeah, I mean, from my little insight into it, it absolutely is. <laughs> so, uh, very very quickly, you I. Early on in the book, you mentioned uh, "Buy the ticket, take the ride." Hunter S. Thompson quote. I mention it because my partner has a 
tattoo of Hunter S. Thompson with a ticket behind it, precisely because of that quote. Um, he's a huge, uh, a huge Hunter S. Thompson fan. What books do you like? Who are, who are your favourite authors? I mean, you mentioned, obviously, you love Liars Poker. That was a big um, influence for you. But what other books do you like reading? Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail is one of the books on my nightstand right now. I'm probably reading this for about the fourth time. Every time I go back through one of his famous works, I always find something new and just incredibly entertaining. But but for me, I, I, I'll tend to I'll tend to kind of go down different rabbit holes where where you know earlier in my life I, I pretty much only read nonfiction and and I read a lot more fiction now. Um, but but it 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 really will depend. I'll get on a kick and want to read everything that William Burroughs ever did, or you know it just you'll 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 go down these different paths but I, I I love it and I'm always looking for that next book it's one of my favorite things to ask people whenever I'm out it's well what, what are you reading do you have any recommendations because I I tend to have a pretty eclectic set of tastes I, I just love different styles and reading about different things and and uh yeah I it's I, I really admire it I, I it is it's an art form it's a profession you know people that really do this for a living i don't think michael lewis has to worry about losing any market share to me based on what what i've done but <laughs> people who are really great at this i i just I, I find that's amazing and 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 you know one of the things that i probably didn't appreciate is i was getting into this but i, I just think it's so magical now to to to, to have this book that will be there forever now right you've created this art and yeah. I, I think I, I think that 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 for really great artists it just be so you know just so rewarding to to to, to have that and feel that it's a fabulous achievement especially I imagine when you're in the writing process and everything feels rubbish and awful and you know I can't don't know how to write at all and you're doubting yourself um but then yeah to see the finished product and whatever happens yeah as you said it's like that's always on your book I, I I think that's right it, it's it, it, it's whatever happens, you know, it, it's because you, you don't know, you don't know how an audience is going to take at, 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 at things. It, you know, kind of the times change and what you've written about is no longer deemed relevant or whatever it may be, but to, to put in that time, to put in that effort to, to, to have that, I think, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's an amazing feeling for me. Yeah. Especially in such sort of, I don't know, an ephemeral kind of world where yeah, everything yeah, is tweets or yeah, videos. Yeah. Um, and, and, and in some ways, I, I really respect it because, you know, I, I'm not, I'm still learning a lot about, you know, this new world of social media and all of these things. But, you know, so, so many people kind of live their lives and 30 characters or less on Twitter. So to, to, to put a novel with 35,000 words and to have that resonate to people, I think is such an amazing accomplishment. Have you had a book launch properly for it? Or are you going to? We, we, we have. So obviously, when this was originally released, which is about seven weeks ago now, all the bookstores were still closed. But we're, we're, we're very quietly making the rounds again. And you know, for, for me, I, I've been so lucky because uh, all of a sudden, I, I feel like th this book has really resonated in this, this 
niche. There were people who, who have an interest in markets. They want to learn more about it. And um, it, it's gotten this amazing traction, which, you know, I never expected. So it, it's been fun. And, you know, for, for me to get feedback from people that, you know, I knew 20 years ago or friends and family is, 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 has been really fun. Uh, well, I'm glad you're getting a good reaction to it. This has been so lovely, honestly. I um, apologise for uh, my very, very basic uh, questions about the market. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I started to learn when I was 18, 19. And then, um, in fact, I started reading Lies Poker because uh, my trader friend recommended it and I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> but I will read again. Now my brain is hopefully slightly more developed and I'll you know, understand a bit more about the markets. So I, I hope so. Well, <laughs> Make sure you uh, send me feedback or any questions you have. Well, what I've read, I absolutely love so far. It's super, super fun and bold. And I like the character. I like that pace of it. It's just um, fun, sexy kind of writing. Thank you so much for your time. All the very best with how the book goes and everything. I'm sure um, more and more people will read it and love it. I've seen many good reviews already on Amazon. So I'm glad it's going down the storm. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Colin. All the best. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. 